0: Hello, welcome to Jack's Corner, where I discuss issues on society and culture here in America. Hi everyone, welcome back to my corner. This Hello. is Jack's Corner. I'm here with Veronica and today is June 23rd, Thursday, 2021. We're going to go ahead and take it away with Jane Doe and the Science of Trauma. Veronica is going to tell you what page she's on and as we've mentioned before, it is available so you can read with us on Amazon. Look at their books and search Jane Doe and the Science of Trauma by Veronica Compton Wallace.
1: Okay. And thank you for that lovely introduction. Um I also wanted to say, you know, right now there was something pretty alarming in the news and I know that that's one of your topics in your um show. And I want Yeah, sometimes I I do. I'm going to try and do more of that. Um, okay, well, remember this last newscasting, they said that only 8.3% of teenagers, late teens to, I think, mid-25, only 8.3% have, been have vaccinated. Had, yeah, had their vaccines. Like, what's up with that? That sense of invulnerability, you've got to wake up. It's like when polio was... I mean, that was going on, and you needed to have your vaccines against polio because otherwise you were doomed, and it was not nice. Um, and that's kind of what we're looking at right now. You guys, that um, if you're in that age group and you have not yet had both vaccines, I'm urging you to do that for your own health and future life so that you can keep living with this new... Um, it's like the delta version or something the delta variant yeah the delta variant that one is 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 more deadly it's it's pretty strong and it's easier to catch
0: it's here in the u.s now
1: and you know i had had covid um almost a year ago and so i was one of the first people and i had used all the precautions but nonetheless i had covid and it was a very lingering, I'd say for about a month and a half, very difficult to breathe and talk. Um,
0: and I didn't get it from her. I never caught COVID. And even though we lived is, together, that yeah. was interesting how we, I think we, we tried We're to practice very clean. Yes. a lot of safe procedures. So we always so that wash our hands. I wouldn't we do get sick all from that you. with
1: antibacteria and bleach, you know, we're lemon, the whole nine yards. We're really into, um, not contaminating the environment or ourselves.
0: Yeah. But that's, that's a low percentage of teens to not be vaccinated. I mean, to be vaccinated. It's wrong. Um, it's wrong. So I'll tell you what, nothing happened. Veronica got the Pfizer vaccine, the two shots. I got the Moderna vaccine, the two shots. And other than experiencing a very sore arm the first time, I didn't have any side effects really. You no know, side effects. The
1: first uh shot didn't really bother my arm at all.
0: Okay. Though whoever gave you that shot was really good. Yeah,
1: they were. Uh the second one I noticed, but the first I didn't. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad we did it. I mean as soon as as soon as we could we did.
0: Yeah, so we're vaccinated. And we'll see what happens with this Delta variant spreading. You know, I don't know how it's going to affect the teens that have not been vaccinated. And right now, um, there's, there hasn't been anything put in place for booster vaccines or additional vaccines, maybe a year or two years later for COVID. There's still, I mean, this is all new. So we'll see how this develops in the future. Veronica's got the kitties. One of them, they're actually up here in the in the uh, studio.
1: Oh, I just had to get a curl. Um he is, you know, partially blind. Uh She thinks he's blind. I don't think he's not is. not 100%. But he has a tendency to cross his eyes. He always has. He's got extremely light blue eyes and white fur. And he's the majority of him is white. He's almost like an albino. And his nose is like an albino. He only has black markings um, emphasizing his nostrils. And that is it for a nose. It's bizarre. But his eyes are so light, so much lighter than the sky. It's incredible. He's
0: a beautiful cat. He's mostly white, but he's spotted like a little leopard. They're light spots, so they're subtle, but you can see them. And then his tail goes dark, and the very tip of his tail is
1: black. And then one little part of his, let's see, what it, is? it his left ear? Yeah. His left, no, that would his be his right ear. right ear. It's his right ear. The very tip of his right ear, you can barely see it, but there are like five black hairs out of this white fur. And it just emphasizes, so maybe there's 20 hairs now. But it just emphasizes um, his whiteness, and he's just remarkably uh, handsome. And he has a twin. I believe that there were that they were born twins uh, out of that litter. None of the other kittens look like these. Um, that's why I think they might have had different placentas, uh, because these two are definitely uh, linked. They look very much exotic um they're probably the most exotic cats i've i've ever seen uh they're very beautiful remarkable and yeah.
0: max looks like a little white tiger because he he's got the stripes on his arms just on his legs i mean <laughs> he pulled
1: up a white tiger and their markings and It's on a big screen TV, and we compared the two, and it was, oh my goodness, he's a baby white tiger. He really looked like a baby white tiger.
0: Yeah, but those are our kitties, and they're doing great.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, Jane Doe, um, Veronica picks out segments from the book at a time to read. And, you know, she's very sensitive with the heavy material. So we may not go into the heavy, heavy, very explicit, detailed material when it comes to abuses experienced because it's very traumatic for her to relive that even now. I mean, just reading the manuscript, taking a break, she felt like, Sometimes she feels like, okay, that's enough. That's enough. I don't want to yes. go through that anymore. We'll pick that up at another time. Precisely. So thank we're, you. So we're picking it up today. And, and, Veronica, I want you to know that whenever you're ready, the, the, the equipment is here to record. So whenever you're comfortable with it, we can do a podcast and, and talk more about Jane Doe. Okay?
1: Thank you. I really, that really means a lot to me. Thank you so much for that invitation. That means a lot. Yes, I would very much like to share it with you and others. At your piece. Thank you because so this much. Because
0: is, this is very heavy. Yes, it is. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. So now we're going back to Jane Doe. I'm going to be on page 93. We're at the bottom paragraph. Historically, we can today use retrospect or Darwin. The principle of domination and surrender explained by Darwin in the wolves applies analogously to humans in whom we often see the fiercest combat ending abruptly when one opponent presents universally understood expressions of surrender and willing acts of submission instinctively all social animals Constantly elicit and express psychoso- psychosocial cues, which communicate information nonverbally. This was a study by Sapolsky, 1990. Changes in the sympathoadrenal activation. Pardon me for my mispronunciation. Um, I did everything through books, so having to actually speak these words. You know, this is my research. So, excuse my uh, stumbling over it. It's the first time I've read it aloud. Changes in the sympathoadrenal communicate information nonverbally. That's, uh, excuse me, I got that wrong. Inactivation routinely produced these External signs. Sympathetic nerves to cutaneous blood vessels in the face facilitate blushing. That was found in a study by Drummond and Lance, 1987. Now, what we're saying is that when people um, experience this sense of uh, trauma, PTSD, PTSD, These are some of the things that happen, the facial blushing. Blushing may connote embarrassment or humiliation, and is a social cue others interpret. A person scowling and flushed, holding up a clenched fist while looking at another person, appears pale and slouched with their palms exposed, expresses specific meaning to a bystander. Evolution may have created these signs as byproducts of genetically determined neurocircuitry adjustments to the fight or flight response. Dr. Marty Howitz 1986 Stress Response Syndromes has developed a model to explain the natural progression and stages of posttraumatic sequelae This model applies to survivors of varied traumas, including Nazi concentration camp survivors, torture, sexual abuse, veterans of war, POWs, refugees, combat veterans, kidnapped survivors, and those of nuclear attack. While each survivor's personality, trauma, and post-trauma situations are unique, as will be their response, Horowitz's model assists us in understanding what can be expected in post-traumatic response. Horowitz holds that the normal response to trauma is outcry, followed by alternating phases of denial, and intrusion, working through, and completion. This progression may be interrupted at any stage or may become pathologic. The fear, sadness, and rage concomitant to outcry can lead to panic, disassociative reactions, or exhaustion. Refusal Refusal during denial to confront a memory of disaster can lead to extreme avoidance, reduce the pain are used. Excuse me, its varied symptomology of which possible substance abuse in efforts to self medicate and reduce the pain are used. Intrusive thoughts. Intrusive thoughts can bring horrifying and persistent images, compulsive reenactments, and recurring thoughts of trauma. These trauma affect in relationships. Stockholm Syndrome in that although she was free to leave the area her presumed captures captured remained. The jail. Now if you remember what happened in the Stockholm Syndrome, uh a bank was held up and at the end the people in the bank were on the bank robber side and it was um a very sordid kind of tale, at least they made it out to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Anyway.
1: Uh, whatever it was, it was. Uh, So, I bring up the Stockholm Syndrome because they're unable to leave the presence of their captor. And it's certainly uh, met in the mind of a victim of PTSD. So, they do look at their captors as um, leaders, in a sense, and they have to find the weakness in order to get out from under them. Um... People talk about being an automaton. I felt like an automaton at times where I didn't even make decisions. I had someone else make all my decisions. It was uh, a very terrible place to be. Yeah, Um, I bet. Jonathan Shea, he wrote a book, uh, Achilles in Vietnam. He was there. It was in 1994. He addresses memory in severely traumatized survivors as suffering from the loss of normal authority of memory most people take for granted. Traumatic events often cause amnesia and the survivor has no power to recall events as ordinary memory is recalled at will. Rather, memory now has control and authority over the survivor. In traumatic memory, unlike narrative, the experience is re-experienced as full sensory replay of actual events and dreams or flashbacks, with all the things seen, smelled, and felt intact, or as unjoined pieces, fragments. Such disjointed fragments may be terror, rage, inconsolable weeping, uncontrollable crying, or disconnected body states and sensations such as suffocating in a tunnel without the memory of ever being in the tunnel where the survivor actually did suffocate. And that's
0: it for today. Okay, thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. Well, wow, there's so much connected to, um, the different levels of trauma through all the research that has been done.
1: Thank God the research has finally been done. I remember the World War One veterans. I used to see these old black and white films. Um, we'd watch public broadcast stations, PBS, and they would have announcements made by, uh, by people talking about what was really happening in the world around them. And instead of having these terrors like um, normal people have, like, you know, you get burglarized and you have a terror, right? These people from World War I had lived through terror that was unspeakable. So when they came back home, they had post-traumatic stress disorder. Really bad, you can imagine. Very, very hard trauma.
0: Yeah, I think for anyone that sees combat... is And they called it... they or anyone term. that is fighting for their life at a drastic moment is going to experience some kind of trauma.
1: Apparently. You know, that's what all the research uh, shows. Sapolsky and... Was oh, it Coet's and you mentioned Hor- you mentioned Horowitz Horowitz yeah um i I have a lot of different doctors in here that I quote from their studies um I studied this extensively, and this book uh, took me three years to write and many many books, many books um getting interlibrary loans of articles that were published you know in nineteen forty being able to get psychiatric reviews that were done back in the 50s and reading the entire history of something of um, a study that was going on where they used let's say 40 university students and they tested them for let's just say randomly lack of sleep so they they follow the symptomology. First of all they have their ideas of what might happen then they do it and then x y and z happen whatever that happens to be and then they write that as a study and um, if you look back on some of these studies which is what I do it's fascinating and if you go through psychiatric journals the American Medical Association put out some incredible, incredible work, if you follow them, um, that was one way, I think the Republic was one way, but I would basically go for um, more historic facts of an era, and you know, eras before I existed. And what they learned during that era, because society has changed tremendously. You know, when these World War I veterans came back with this battle fatigue, they gave it a certain cliche name. I don't even recall it. I don't know either. And um, so it was kind of a shameful title to have, but they were diagnosed with this, all right? So now it's World War II. And we have another group of vets that come through. Same symptoms. So now they have more of an interest because, you know, we're developing science. And psychology is such a new field. It's only been around for 150 years. It's still so much philosophy, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, Behaviorism has influenced, you know, now we're talking catecholamines and dopamine and all of these brain these brain hormones that exist but um getting back to basics getting back to basics it's um it's really good that post-traumatic stress disorder now is pretty commonly known and it's not so much a stigma at all yeah Um, it's something that we can expect from survivors of whatever trauma And, uh, I don't even, I couldn't even estimate how many of us have it. I couldn't even guess one out of four people. I have no idea.
0: Yeah, you have it. Yeah, it affects your sleep.
1: Yes, it does.
0: I noticed that about you.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. I go through days where I can't sleep. Literally nights where I can't sleep and it'll go on for three, four nights yeah. Oh, when no, I first, when bad, I first bad.
0: moved in, this was about three years ago. Yeah. You used to sleep with your TV on loud. Wow. You used to sleep with it on all the time. And I think it was to have us to have something to listen to, to have a sense of you're not alone.
1: Exactly. So that's what I think. it. But was. you don't do that anymore, which is great. No, crazy. I do not. I turn off my TV and I say my prayers and my meditations every night um, before I fall asleep. Prayers, intentions, that kind of thing. And it helps. Yes, it does very much. Good. Yeah, it's like in the morning, you know, I give my blessings and try to be aware of all the beauty that I am privileged to be around. You know, nature and cats and um, kittens and dogs and Flowers and herbs, and you know, wonderful things uh, like you. You know, having you as my best friend is such oh, a blessing. Thank you. And I'm grateful every day. No, thank you. Thank you for being a remarkable, ethical human being. You really are stellar. Kudos. Thank you, Veronica. Kudos. Kudos on your ethics. You are brilliant. Anyway, um so that gives us a taste of PTSD for a minute, huh? Yeah. Yeah, and it is more common than not. Yeah. I it seems to be. It seems to be. So, um you may be suffering the symptoms yourself if you find so. Please reach out, you know, talk to your doctor um and tell your doctor whatever you're feeling and if it's not your general practic- practitioner, he can advise you to another doctor. And, um, yeah, I can always help. refer ask you for out. Help. Yes, please reach out for help. There's a lot of great people out here in the world and, um, wanting to help people. So, by all means, reach out. And, uh, that's it for me for today. Okay, well, thank you for having me again. You're so welcome. You're so uh, kind. Of course. Anytime. Like I
0: said, at your pace. Okay. Oh, God bless you. Okay, you guys. I just want to mention real quick to make sure you check out our YouTube channel, Museum Americana. We have a playlist, Museum Diaries. That's where we post and record film. Anything that we're up to, anywhere we're going to that kind of gives you guys uh, an update as to what we're doing and our podcasts. We try and put these out once a week. So stay tuned for our next one. And again, if you want to become a patron for museum Americana, contribute to our, uh, our, our needs for supplies, equipment, um, and of course support this podcast, go ahead and go to www.com patreon.com forward slash museum americana thank you all i hope you're well and we'll see you on our next podcast and bye now